welcome to the Susquehanna Valley Church Podcast. My name is Matt Saxinger, and I serve as head pastor here. Hey, we want to help you think about stuff you need to think about. We want to help you talk about stuff you need to talk about. So we've got uh, we've got a special podcast for you today that we're excited. we got a guest with us. Uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Karen Frisbee. Um, I, I live close to the church, but I've been going here about um, two years. Two years, awesome. Well, we have, uh, as a church, been going through um, some passages from Song of Solomon, looking at the impact on marriages, and uh, Karen and I started corresponding about some stuff, and then just heard kind of some of her story, and I was like, man, we, we need to really, like, if you would be willing to sit down and share some of your experiences, was was kind of the way we put it, Yes. you know, that would make an incredible podcast, and so we're going we're gonna to do our best to wade through that. Um, if this is your first time checking in, feel free to, to check out one of the other episodes, but we're just really excited you're joining us today. So, Karen, now you mentioned that you, you've kind of been coming to church here for a couple of years. How long have you been coming to church here? Um, since regularly since September of 2017. I'm really impressed at how well you know that. That's 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 awesome. Now, it, 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 it was a um, time in my life that stands out, let's put it that way. Yeah. Wow! Wow! Well, we'll, we'll get we'll get there. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, I wanted to ask you, uh, where are you from? Like, where are you from originally? Originally, um, I was born in Olean, New York, which is right over the border uh, near Bradford, Pennsylvania, right on okay. the Pennsylvania New York border. Um, my mother was from that side of the border, New York side. My dad was on right across uh, in Eldred, Pennsylvania, which is you know northern here. I was raised from the time I was six years old in outside of Buffalo, New York. Okay. And then came back and married back in Eldred. <laughs> and I have lived in um, several places in Pennsylvania, but in North Carolina as well. Okay. Awesome. Did you, so like when you were in North Carolina, I always find this interesting. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you picked up any of the accent? I did to a, yeah, to a degree. I think I've lost some of that, but. I could talk with the best of them down there. I, I believe it. I always, uh, I always think it's funny if I go for a week vacation in the South, I have a Southern accent when I come home. Yes, yeah. It's just, it just wears off on me. So, yeah. Um, hey, wanted to ask you. We're, we're talking about this marriage sermon series, uh, and uh, we talked, and you kind of connected with it in a in a bit of a different way mm-hmm. than what I had anticipated, and really made me rethink some of you know how I presented it and everything. But why don't you kind of you know share some of what you were thinking with that? Okay, um, I was married for fifty-two years, and most of that fifty-two years was a very difficult and troubled marriage. Um, I would seek after counsel, and if I if I went to a counselor, they would say, "You need to run. You need to get out of this." Wow. But the, and I also remember they weren't Christian counselors. And at that time, I wasn't the Christian that I should have been. Um, I had a nodding acquaintance with Jesus, so to speak. So my, my original marriage wasn't even based on a Christian marriage. Hmm. Hmm. But I had been, you know, going, starting to church and I went to a pastor and he told me that if I was a better wife, if I did all the good things that I should be doing, then I wouldn't have a hard marriage. It was my fault. Wow. And I wow. was the one That's to blame. That's incredibly sympathetic, right? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yes. And, and it was funny because his wife, who was a counselor, came into the office and she wow. said, please don't tell her that. 
But wow. that was my advice. And so I went home and tried harder. It's so tough when you get bad advice from a source that should give good advice. Like how, like, cause you probably knew, did you, did you deep down know that was bad advice or were you just like, I'm going to trust him because of the position? I, I would trust him because of the position. Wow. I went home and read my Bible harder and read everything I could, how to be a, a good wife. So what was sort of the light bulb moment for you when you realized like, no, that was bad advice. Like it's not all my responsibility here. There's got to be a different path. We've probably been married about 40, 45 years because that was the advice I got at every pastor that I went to. Yeah. And wow. so it was, I kept thinking it was me. I was doing something wrong. Even though I was doing everything those books told me, everything that I thought right. the Bible. Um, it, Barry talked about Glenda praying and asking for him yeah, to be talking became, about our last podcast. Yes, yes. Yeah. And, um, and so I did that too, and God told me the same thing. You need to change. Yeah. And so that's where my prayers started going with for me to change. The more I changed, the less he was interested. So was there any sort of like, was there any counseling that he went to at all, or was there he, was he, he unwilling or? No, at first he was willing, and we did go to joint counseling. But as soon as they started talking about his part. Gotcha. He quit. He quit. Yeah. Yeah. When the spotlight turned mm -hmm. around to be on him. Yes. Rather than him change and own up to his sin, it was, I'm out. Right. Yeah. How, how did you make it for so long? I mean, we're talking about 52 years, you said? Yes. Yeah. A lot of tears. I did have, I did have an emotional breakdown when I was in my 30s, um, went into counseling. Uh, I just kept... I just kept believing that God was going to change it. He was going to use it somehow, and he was going to, to make it better eventually. And then I, I came upon that verse that my maker is my husband, yeah. and I clung to that verse so hard. Yeah. Was that difficult for you, or was that just so, so satisfying that it kept drawing you back? Like, what was that experience like? It was. It was comfort. It was encouragement. It was hope for me. And I would repeat that to myself quite often. And a lot of scriptures. Uh, God took me to the book of James. And yeah. I read James twice a day for a month. That's awesome. Yeah. It, but it helped. It helped sure. so much. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And so let me let me jump topics for a second here. When did you like? When did you come to know Christ? Like, when did you place your faith in Him? Um, well, probably thirty-three years ago. I, I think so I you was had about been married. yeah, I was about thirty-four, thirty-five, something in there. And we got a new pastor. Yeah. And he didn't come in and just you know say you're saved. He he told us what that meant, and it meant following Christ, yeah. not just knowing who Christ was. Right, the but fruit should show up in your exactly. life. Exactly, and that's the first time I had heard that depth of of understanding of, of following Christ, and and that's when I became a Christian, and it, it made it easier because I knew that Christ loved me. And that God loved me. I, I never felt that God loved me, that anybody loved me, for that matter. But sure. wow. what a depth wow. What a depth of understanding, you know, that just uh, filled my heart with praise and joy. Hmm. 
That's incredible that it can sustain you even in the situations that you're talking about. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. So you, you then talked about how, like, initially your marriage wasn't based on, you know, Christian principles. Then you made mm -hmm. that transition, um, but it wasn't really received well. No, it was not received. So what was, like, what was the backlash to that? Was that, um, like, what were, like, how did that affect things? The, there, it started out as more verbal, emotional abuse. Um, you're stupid. How you know? How, can wow. you believe that stuff? And it eventually, it led to physical abuse. Wow. Um, you know, slapping, pushing, shoving. You know, I was never beaten with a ball bat or anything like that. But, but wow. yeah, there were bruises and and things like that. And sure. and of course, that affected my children too. Well, yeah, I, I can't imagine being in that scenario. How did you How did you pull through? By the grace of God, it really. It, it so so many times that um, I was in counseling, and they were they told me that it was, it's affecting your mental health, it's affecting your physical health, and in, in fact, my doctor uh, two years ago told me that you are going to die. If you don't get something done, something the stress is killing you. Wow. wow. And so that's that's when I really began praying really, really long hours and long and hard and hard. Sure, sure. How like so here's a couple of questions I'm thinking, you know, trying to think what our listeners would want to know. Okay. Um how would you how would you encourage somebody to identify well so let's let's ask this. Were you able to identify it as abuse? right away or did that take time for you to see it and say hey i'm actually in an abusive relationship because i think sometimes we, we don't always see it when it's there that's true and and i don't think i did it first but then being told that it was my fault i absorbed it as i deserved what wow. i was getting wow because i had not done the right thing wow that oh man that's a that's a scary thing to think about for somebody in that situation to think that they they caused it or they brought it on. Yeah. What would you say to a person who's thinking that way, who's who's who that's their thought process? I, I try to help them understand that because God loves them, they are a child of God, he, his creation. Yeah that he loves them and that isn't what God would have for us. Right, nobody and deserves to be treated Even if that you're way. doing something wrong, nobody deserves to be hit. Nobody needs to be shoved yeah. or, or told how stupid they are. And Amen. Yeah. yeah. And and I was not raised in a home that was like that. Um, yeah. I had great parents. Um, they weren't Christian per se, but they, you know, if are following Christ. I I think would be a better way of saying it. But they were they treated each other with respect, and uh, so I often wonder why did I think hmm. that I didn't deserve what they had. The the, <laughs> the thing that I find um, in my limited exposure to to these sort of scenarios is, generally speaking, a person who is abusive is also an expert manipulator. <laughs> they can get you to think things that keep you in the scenario that you're in. Mm -hmm. and and make you take ownership of that. Was that some of your experience? Yes, uh, I had manipulation. I had gaslighting where they try to make you think that things that happened didn't happen. Yeah. And then you begin to question 
yourself and your own your mental own sanity. Yeah, and and one of the things that I was told to do was to write everything down. So I could go back and so read. So you have that record. Yeah, of, yeah. yeah. Just from, happened, for my sake. Yeah, I'm it wasn't saying to keep, right now this was a fact. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't to keep the records or to keep the list, you know. Yeah, it, right. It was, Absolutely. It was for yeah. my own sanity that I had to do that. And, yes, there's a lot of control. And, and I came to realize that my husband had a lot of problems that he was in turn kind yeah. of taking out on me because I was there. It's, it's interesting, oftentimes, I find people wrestle with the Christian ethics, which place such a high value on love, that sometimes people in that situation say, well, the loving thing to do is to forgive the abuser again and give them another mm-hmm. chance and give them another chance. And I would argue, I would reason, I'd like your thoughts on this, I think the loving thing to do in that scenario is to help them get the help or put the attention on their problem of sin as opposed to as opposed to allowing that cycle to continue ongoingly it's me saying this is not healthy for me yeah. nor is it healthy for you to continue to be thinking that this is an appropriate way to live so i'm going to back out to draw attention to just how sick and and uh you know how much of a uh, yeah how how wrong this is for you yeah it took me a while to to realize that i was enabling his behavior and wow! Wow! It, yeah, it, it does. It takes uh, a few uh, episodes, I guess, before you begin to realize that you're you're helping him by not by being loving, by being you know caring and nurturing. Um, some people need more than that, you know, to to understand what a relationship is about. Well, and and I think sometimes in that scenario, and feel free to connect me if I'm wrong. But we feel because there's been such a history there, there's an investment of trying to change and hoping that they change that to back up, um, back out almost feels like we're giving up on them as opposed to saying this is just what needs to happen. Yeah. And he would say that you're 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 moving away from me. You're moving in. I tried to help him understand that, you know, I wasn't perfect either. You know, I made a lot of mistakes. And I, I appreciate your ownership of that. But I also appreciate your perspective of, hey, that I was a normal person with normal mess ups in a situation that was abnormal. Exactly, exactly. And they tend to pick up on your mistakes and make sure that you know. <laughs> so sure, that's part of that y- gaslighting. Y- yeah. That's part yeah. of that manipulation. Yeah, for sure. Um, hey, let me ask you this: like, what scripture to you? Like, mm-hmm. if there was one one verse that just is it the husband uh, Isaiah 54 or is there another one that really just came alongside you in this uh, there's several several I mean God was speaking to me in a lot of ways um Joshua 1 9 is I you know I will not leave you nor forsake you take yeah. courage you know that those those kind um really spoke to my heart and um I was trying to think I can't think of any right off the top of my head, but uh, there were so many. Yeah, yeah. There were many, many verses that really spoke to me. God's loving us and um, caring for us and and being our Jehovah Jireh and our Our, our provider, our our, caregiver. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Here's one that I like. I'm going to read it. 2 Corinthians 1. Three, where Paul says, Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, 
who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. Amen. And and what I love about that scenario is, is it's never God's intention for us to just continue to exist in the suffering of Christ, but he wants us to experience the comfort. Mm-hmm. And so there, there should be, a, you know, a, either a theological or a practical, you know, a spiritual change where we, we say, I'm not going to just live and dwell in the suffering, but I want to know the comfort. I want to make that transition from one to the other. What would you say to encourage a person in that scenario or, or any similar scenario where, where there's, uh, you know, such pain, and, and, you know, yeah, just difficulty there. What would you say to them to, to encourage them to move from the sufferings of Christ to the comfort of Christ? The thing that comes to mind is, is one that I read uh, years ago, and it's growing the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And in growing and knowing, you, you have to spend time in the Word, and you have to spend time in prayer. And that to me, meditating and, and thinking about those things that Psalm 139, where he tells you how wonderful you are and he was watching you grow. To me, that was just an awesome thing to think about. And I think that that is the thing that made me grow more and my heart changed. I, I could feel, I prayed for purification and sanctification and I could see God growing me, I began to see fruit in my life, too, when I spent time with Jesus all the time. I I love that your identity, despite it being the attempt being to control it and to suppress it so much, but yet we sit here and you talk and that's not you. You know, you you are this delightful person who is just a spark to the people that are around you. Thank you. And and that's that to me is such a testimony of God's presence for you through those very dark years. Yes, yeah. I and and you know I can I know it sounds crazy. I know it does, but I could feel God's presence with me. I could feel almost feel like Jesus was standing there with his hands on my shoulders just calming me you know, in those times of tears and frustration, and you just didn't know where you were going to turn. I could actually feel that around me, and it brought me such peace and such comfort. And that, to me, has to be freeing, because you're feeling this person who's saying, who's essentially saying, there's no way out, there's no solution for Mm -hmm. you, and you're feeling God telling you the exact opposite. Exactly, exactly. What, what would you say to the person that is stuck in that situation and they're maybe struggling to have the faith to step out from it? What would your encouragement to them be? My first question is, are you being physically abused? Hmm. Okay. And if they're being physically abused, that's a different scenario. Yep. But if, if not, if it's more, you know, the mental verbal type thing, I just tell them to stay with Christ. Keep reading his word. And seeing what, what does he say about you? What does he tell you that you are? And believe what he tells you you are and not what somebody else is telling you. And I know that's hard. I know it's very hard. But that was what got me through was knowing that I was loved. I, was, I had worth. And I felt worthless and unloved and uncared for. 
And yet, just reading his word and knowing that God mm. did and provided people to come around me who um, loved me and cared for me finally convinced me that God really, really was telling me the truth. I've, absolutely. I love that, again, founding your identity, anchoring that in Christ when there's so much competing to try to to try and mm-hmm. undermine that. Do you feel that people should try to bring these situations to light um, to let others know of their struggle, or do you think it should be worked out internally? What What are your thoughts on that? I think you need other people. I really do. I, and I agree with that, and that's essentially why I'm asking this, because I, yeah, I figured I, you'd say that. <laughs> I, I, I am surprised when I started sharing. For a long time, I kept it quiet. I didn't want anybody to know. But I've, I started sharing. Why? Let, let's, let's answer the that. The shame. The shame of of the marriage failure and the shame of, of what I allowed happen to me and, and to my children through those years. And, wow. and in sharing that, I, I'm finding so many people who I thought had those perfect marriages do not. And yeah. the people that have shared such pain with me is um, my heart is so almost overwhelmed with with grief for these people who have hidden their pain for so long because they too had shame. It, it's fascinating to me that that shame is there because I'm I'm looking at this going, you shouldn't have any shame. There shouldn't be any there. I mean, you, you were a, a wife who had normal struggles and and normal ups and downs, and to think that you couldn't bring this to light. But I also don't see it from your perspective where that feels like a very natural thing in the moment. And I guess what I want to say to to our, our listeners is if that's your experience, please don't let that fear prevent you from being in a situation where positive change can come through the community of the church. Exactly. As we encourage people, husbands and wives, to live out what God calls us to, we never want to be that church that says, here's a Bible verse, go home. Yes. You know, do this. No, we, we want to get to the root of what's going on here because it's worth it's worth us seeing what's there so we can so we can love and we can move on and we can help people grow. Yes, I, I think you're always a little afraid of being judged, and um, what's wrong with you? Why? Because I guess because maybe I am crazy. Yeah, you know, maybe <laughs> the gaslighting was right. Right. Yeah. 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 Right. Right. It's yeah. it's yeah it's a hard a hard road it really is you you want to share but then you're afraid if I share it then they're going to use that against me but that all comes with all that abuse those are the things that that you're being told and and I guess my advice would be the cycle has to stop yes it has to stop for you or for your friend or whoever you know it's it's got to stop. And staying quiet probably hasn't changed it. No, it, it doesn't. And and you've got to understand, too, that there is a spiritual battle going on beyond us. And I think that I, agree. That, that is to destroy families. And when we're quiet, we're allowing that to happen. I, absolutely. And, and from the abuser standpoint, the, the change that needs to take place in their heart is so drastic that... Another chance isn't isn't what they need. They need Christ. They need a Definitely. they need a dramatic difference in their life and in their pattern. And, and uh, you know, just giving another chance is not the solution here. There has to be you know some real accountability to that applied to that scenario to see some real change. And that and that's what I ended up doing. Um, 
coming to that point where I understood that and said, we need to, to have uh, some counseling or you need some counseling because you're, you're dealing with some very uh, tough issues. And I can't, I'm not your savior. I can't help you. You need to, to find the savior and, and because I can't take any more abuse. And he chose to walk away. Wow. Wow. What a profound concept that there, for you to be able to see that is just so incredibly wise that their abuse is an expression of their own internal inadequacies and Mm -hmm. insecurities and they're trying to exert that through control feel better of themselves by demeaning somebody else and and for you to see that in that moment uh, that's incredibly wise and and i'm glad that god gave you that ability to see that and again that points to the fact that the same old isn't going to improve that isn't going to change that they they, they've got a process of life that needs to drastically be altered Amen. Yes, that's very true. And that's hard. That's hard. It's especially the older you get, you get so set in your ways to be different. Sure. And they and, and I think people, I don't think I understood and I don't think he understood. Maybe a lot of people don't understand the power of God to do that change in you. I love it. And that that's what we want to see. We don't want to see people live with the norm of what they're used to, live content in the pain and the struggle. We want people to find freedom in Christ and reasons to praise God because he did some dramatic stuff. Amen. Amen. Beyond anything that you can imagine. I love it. Karen, I I could ask you some more questions, but I think we're at a good place to kind of wrap it up. And um, I know you're a person that if anybody's out there, are you a person that they're allowed to come and talk to and say, I've got an issue. I'm putting you on the spot. Yes, yes, definitely. I I figured that was okay because I know your heart. I love how perseverant you've been, how you've overcome so much, and God has just got this woman who's a gift to our church, and I would guess a gift to just about everybody she interacts with because God has been there for you, and so I love your story. Thank you for being willing to share it. Hey, look, we're going to do something different. If you're in a community group, we just want you to to, uh, to to take some time and pray. Pray for people who are in that sort of uh, situation. Um, be attuned to, to the possibility and the reality of it. And, be, you know, be a better friend to figure out whether mm-hmm. some of that stuff's going on. Um, yes, definitely. Yeah. And uh, if that's you and that's that's your, your background and your history. Well, first of all, I'll say this. If that's your current situation let us know let somebody know uh we we want to help you we want to be there for you and whatever that means we're, we're willing to make that that step for you um and love for you guys to memorize second corinthians th- uh, one three through five i just i just think it's such an incredibly important text for us in this this season um if if suffering's ever a regular part of our life we need to look to find christ to the place where he brings us to comfort and cares for us. Yes. And yeah. Karen, the way that scripture teaches is that, you know, as he comforts us, we then comfort others. Amen. With yes. the comfort we've received. And so I thank you for doing that. Thank um, you. And uh, it's we'll, my uh, pleasure. <laughs> well, we appreciate it for sure. So thank you all for listening in and uh, make sure you check back with us next time. <laughs>